0: It's wonderful to see you returned, Odds Bodkins Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and today I've got uh, an interesting item. It may not make sense, but in the end, all will become clear. If you'll take a look over here on this shelf, uh, we have a collection of old VHS cassette tapes. Now this is a collection of home movies and while I would throw this in one of our vintage VCRs, I dare not because the horrors within are quite disturbing and those disturbing horrors are not unlike those that we've seen here recently in a new film that is out now. So let's pull out the kinetoscope and take a look at the new film, Barbarian. So Barbarian is one of those rare films where going into this, I didn't really feel like I knew a lot about it. I hadn't heard any interviews. I hadn't heard any talk or chatter about it. I hadn't heard or seen any Early reviews, you know, people that got screeners and were putting out reviews, even if they weren't spoilery, sometimes you get little tidbits given away. But the best thing about this movie was the trailer. The trailer didn't really seem to give the whole movie away. Now, I thought, you know, watching this trailer, uh, what you did learn about this film, I thought, okay, I've got this all figured out. But but in the end, it, it truly wasn't what... I thought was being set up in the trailer. And through the first act of the movie, uh, I really thought I knew where this was going and I found out that I had no idea where this was going because there were a lot of twists and turns in this and not in the usual. I know some directors out there feel like, you know, subverting people's expectations as a game they play. It wasn't like that. It didn't feel like forced subversion of expectation. It really felt like a director and a writer because, uh, Zack Krager, who wrote and directed this film. Uh, it, it was careful care, I think, in the fact that he had a story that he wanted to tell and did some really good work with uh, some quasi red herrings and misdirection because he really made you feel like this was going in one way, but then just when you think you're going left, you turn right, and it was done so well that I was I was quite happy with it because there's nothing worse than watching a movie, uh, Last Jedi, where the director thinks that I want all my expectations subverted, like forced subversion of expectation. This was done in a way that really kept you guessing where this movie was going and where these characters were going. So that's one of the things I really loved about this is that I didn't know a lot going in. And what I did know, I didn't know half of what I thought I knew. And speaking of the director, Zach Krager, I-, I don't really know a lot about him. You know, I, I know he's done a, a few movies I've, I've heard of, but have never really watched a few TV series that I've heard of, but I've never really watched uh, even don't even really know much about them. So even as a filmmaker, I didn't really know what to expect when it came to his type of movie. Now, Granted, right off the bat, I'm gonna tell you that I hope he does more in the horror genre because I thought he did a really good job with this. And from here on out, I wanna tell you that uh, we are gonna try to do this as spoiler-free as possible. I'm gonna talk about the movie in base, loose terms, uh, nothing that you probably didn't see in the trailer. Then we're gonna go into a spoiler section, which I will tell you ahead of time. Hey, we're going into spoilers. You might not wanna listen if you don't want anything spoiled for you. But uh, but up until that, we're going to try and remain as spoiler free as possible, and then kind of go into the spoilers because I, you can't talk about the movie without talking about the movie, and that's really kind of what this podcast is all about. It's it's not so much a review or critique so much as it is a discussion about what I just saw and what you hopefully just saw. So for right now, we're going to try and remain spoiler free. And we're going to talk about this through like I've done before through the lens of these main characters. And the first character we're introduced to is the Tess Marshall character played by Georgina Campbell, who I thought she did a fantastic job with this. She's an actress that I am not terribly familiar with her work. I know the name. But just it just so happens that just a lot of the stuff she's done, I haven't really seen. I mean, I did see her episode, uh, Hang the DJ on Black Mirror, which was great. I know she was in that series Krypton back in 2018, uh, a series that I never really got a chance to watch. So she's an actress I, I know of, but I just don't know a lot about her body of work. But I really enjoyed this character. She's a woman. She's heading to Detroit for a job interview to work with some documentary film director as a researcher. And and she's rented this Airbnb house where she finds the Bill Skarsgård character, Keith, who has also rented this house. And there's this whole kind of misunderstanding. They they both rented it through different uh, lodging apps. And there was a kind of a mix up and they're both scheduled to, to be renting this house at this time. And I guess I'm going to kind of talk about the Bill Skarsgård character, Keith, as well. Because you really can't talk with one about the other because they they both interact so much in that first act of the movie. But the chemistry of these two characters and these two actors on the screen was just fantastic. And, and it was really smart in the fact that they really tried to... Uh, Zach Krieger really tried to make the Keith character very suspect. He's constantly wanting... Tess to, to drink wine with him. He's constantly wanting her. He wants to make her a cup of tea. And you're, you're afraid this whole time that, oh, he's he's trying to get her drunk and so she'll pass out. He's trying to slip her a Mickey so she'll pass out and and he can do whatever with her. And it's there's a lot of tension built up with that. And the thing I liked about it is that the Tess Marshall character is very smart and she sees this and she... She doesn't drink the tea he makes for her. She keeps resisting the wine that he's constantly offering her. Now, this really isn't too big of a spoiler because it it, it all happens within the you know first few minutes of the movie. Uh, you get a sense of this right away. Bill Skarsgård plays this Keith character very well because uh, he seems likable enough. He seems like he, he just doesn't know what's going on, why things were double-booked, but you also wonder you're always left wondering is he up to no good did he somehow orchestrate this whole thing so so he could meet a pretty young girl and do something horrible with her or to her and even when the two characters Tess and Keith kind of start to hit it off and start having conversations and talking you you almost wonder is he telling her what she wants to hear to kind of lure her in like a fly to a spider so that's one of the things I really dug about this is one is the, the ambiguous nature of this Keith character you really didn't know what his intentions were, and that caused a lot of tension to be built in that that first act. I also like the Tess Marshall character because she was very smart. She was very aware of her surroundings. You know, in other movies, uh, this would have been, you know, some girl. Oh, sure, I'll take your tea. Sure, I'll drink a half a bottle of wine with you, and and then trouble would have started. But I like how they uh, treated this Tess character with with respect to you know women aren't stupid they're quite aware when especially in this day and age when a guy seems to be up to no good and that really is kind of the mystery set up is keith is he up to no good what's his angle what's his game and this whole thing kind of culminates in this first night that they're there when when she gets up and finds that he's gone and it leads her down to the basement. And this is all stuff that you see in the trailer. Leads her down to the basement. She finds a rope in a wall and pulls it. And this door opens up uh, to this black cavernous hallway. <laughs> and my wife, I made her watch the trailer with me. Uh, she wouldn't go to see the movie with me. But we watched the trailer. And she's like, that's, that's rule number one you don't break. When you see strange ropes and walls, don't pull on them. <laughs> So, uh, but Tess pulls on this rope, opens up this trap door and sees this, this black cavernous hole. And according to the trailer, here's Keith yelling for her for help. And does she go in? Well, of course it wouldn't be a horror movie if she didn't go in and then shit gets wild from there. For the better part of this, you're still unsure of what Keith's angle is. Is he luring her down there? Is he actually in need of help? So it ratchets that tension on top of the tension of going into this dark place uh, where there's no light and tight corridors make it very claustrophobic. Georgina Campbell really plays that, that anguish of, I know I shouldn't go in here, but there's this guy who I've connected with. And I'm pretty sure he's not a bad guy. I should go help him. She's a good person. She wants to help him, even if she still has some reservations about his intentions. And she plays that anguish of, you know, just wanting to, to stay safe, stay where it's safe in the light or go into the darkness and help try and help him and possibly put yourself in danger. And that, 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 inner back and forth that's going on in her head that you don't hear, but you can see, you can see that played out on her face. Uh, It was just some fantastic acting. I I really enjoyed that. And I enjoyed uh, Georgina Campbell's performance of this test character so much. Also, you know, Bill Skarsgård as Keith. He just, he plays uh, a, a very likable guy. He's a guy that, you know, I've, I think I was first introduced to him and his acting in that Hemlock Grove series on netflix which i really enjoyed the series um i don't know how much it is like the source material from what i understand it's it's there's it's loose loosey-goosey in some areas but i really enjoyed his performance on that and then you know everything i've seen with him afterwards whether it's the castle rock series or at least the first season of that even his portrayal of pennywise and it while i don't think it was a an accurate portrayal of pennywise uh, that's not his fault uh, that's the director's fault for writing Pennywise to be creepy from get-go, and Bill Skarsgård really played that, and he even, you know, he even did a great job of playing through that. They made Pennywise just a creepy clown, but even Bill Skarsgård, with all that creepy makeup and that creepy outfit, played some empathetic moments where that's what Pennywise does—he draws kids in as this lovable dancing clown. And and then rips their arm off, as I've as I've said before, or bites it off. Uh Bill Skarsgard did a good job making this creepy as fuck clown in some scenes very sympathetic and very alluring to a child. That scene under the bleachers with that with the little girl was fantastic. Even though it's not in the book, it was a fantastic scene. It really showed what Bill Skarsgard brought to the Pennywise character. And in that, he can play very sympathetic characters. He can play a guy who you don't think he's up to any good, but you you want to believe him. You want to believe he's a good guy. You want to believe that he's on the up and up and he doesn't have nefarious intent in mind. And Bill Skarsgård really played the subtlety of a guy just uh, being confused about the whole situation while still playing that undertone of maybe he's up to no good. Uh, just below the surface not overdone not overstated uh, again two fantastic actors uh, Georgina Campbell and Bill Skarsgård who really had such great chemistry on the screen together as well uh, besides their individual performances and then of course if you depending on what trailer you watched uh, some of the trailers just featured Bill Skarsgård and Georgina Campbell uh Other trailers feature Justin Long, who is a a big part of this movie as well. And you don't really learn a lot about his character in the trailers. I will say he plays a douchebag. (laughs) I'm not going to get into too much detail, but he really plays. And if you stay to listen to our spoilery section, I'm going to really talk about the type of character he's playing and the type of message that's kind of being sent with this character but when you're introduced to him, you're you're first in this house that is very drab and uh, low lights and dark and dingy, especially down in the basement with with Bill Skarsgård and Georgina Campbell. And then once the first part of their story, I, I won't say ends, but where we kind of stop with them and jump into the Justin Long character, A j. Gilbride. It goes from this very muted colors to this california coast bright colors Blue Water, Blue Skies, Justin Long driving along, singing along to the car radio and his convertible. And it just felt like two different movies at that point. And it's not a huge spoiler to to find out. He's going through some shit. He actually owns the property that Tess and Keith have both rented. And through the things that he's going through, he ends up at the house. And that's kind of how he comes into the story. But he really plays a a not very good character characters but there's at some point in the the movie there is a scene where it really kind of plays into is he a good guy that maybe just did a bad thing or is he really a bad guy and you you think one thing you find out another and it's it's not a complex character but there are some scenes where you you want to you want to look at the best in people and there's some complexity to how he sees himself and i think it's it's a commentary on like some social issues that are out there and again like i said i'll get a little more into detail when we get into the spoiler section but this all culminates we get a couple new characters added that i'm not going to talk about here because it'd really give things away i'll talk about them when we talk about spoilers but this movie just it really is a, a great example of building tension and there are a couple jump scares, but just letting the atmosphere of this environment that these characters are in and it's very much a going through a haunted house with a shitty flashlight type of movie where you can't see what's ahead of you at some points, And then all of a sudden the light comes on and there's something in front of you, uh, which, you know, those can really that just, you know, being in the dark and not being able to see, but you hear things. And and the music and the, the score and the sound design were were really instrumental in, in working with the atmosphere that Zach Krager created with this movie. It all just worked together to really put some natural tension and fear and chills down your spine. Now, like I said, there were a couple jump scares, but they weren't cheap jump scares. Uh, they were jump scares, you know, that had the the characters involved. It wasn't just a cat moving or something falling and making a big bang and that sort of cheap jump scare. So I'm not a big fan of jump scares, but I think the ones they used were sparing and they, they fit within the context of the movie and the characters. So I was fine with that, but just really a lot of tension and a lot of real natural scares and a lot of good acting that really helped promote the the terror that these characters are feeling so if you haven't watched barbarian i ch- suggest you go check it out if you like scary movies if you, if you like a good chill Uh, if you like a movie that you really don't know where things are going at sometimes, and there's a a bit of a mystery as to what the hell are you watching? What the hell's going on? uh, You're going to like this movie. Uh, I've heard a lot of people talking about this, suggesting go into it, knowing as little as possible. And I'd have to agree with that. Uh, The trailer doesn't give too much away. So I think you're going to, if you, you stay away from my spoiler section, uh, you stay away from other spoils, uh, you're going to go into this not knowing where things are going. And I think you're really going to enjoy uh, where this whole movie ends up. So check it out, Barbarian. It's in theaters now. I loved it. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about the movie. And we're going to talk a lot of spoilers. So from here on out, if you haven't watched the movie, you don't want anything spoiled, go watch it. Then come back and, and hear what I have to say about the movie in a spoilery context. But uh, if you have don't care about spoilers. Uh, hey good on you I'm, I'm I'm fine with that as well and if you have watched the movie we're gonna kind of talk about some of these things that we've we've witnessed. So from here on out spoilers so listener beware. So one of the cool things I liked about this, as I said, they really made uh, the Keith character played by Bill Skarsgård very ambiguous. He didn't really know what his intentions were, even to the point when uh, Tess runs into him down in these tunnels. Because not only is there a trap door uh, or a secret door in the basement of this house, but that leads into a hallway and there's a room with a stained mattress and an old like 80s VHS style camcorder. But there's also a door, like a secret door at the end of that hall, which leads into like a cut rock uh, staircase, which leads down into this kind of dungeoning area. There's cages and and all sorts of nastiness. And when Bill Skarsgård's Keith and Tess run into each other down there, you still think that Bill Skarsgård's Keith is up to no good because Tess wants to go back the way she came and he's trying to get her to go uh, forward and, and deeper into this this dungeon, this, this network of tunnels until all of a sudden this gargantuan character, this gargantuan woman with floppy titties comes out of nowhere and bashes Bill Skarsgård's head up against the uh, rock wall of this tunnel and my God, that was a frightening scene. And it yeah, they were sparing with the gore in this, but when they did bring gore and violence to the forefront in this story, they did it quite well. Because all you do is just see his head smashed against us and, and the blood and the sound design, again, was very disgusting squishing and crushing but I love the the part even before Tess goes down into this tunnel uh, she's sitting there or standing there in the basement of the house and she's looking at this this doorway into this dark hallway and it's just this black void there and she's contemplating going in but then all of a sudden she's like nope And she really, she is the character that we're watching this movie through. It's her perspective that we're seeing this. And I know there's a a couple scenes where we get to see other people, Justin Long, uh, a couple characters we're going to talk about uh, coming up. But this really is a movie that we're watching from her point of view. And she really spoke for the audience there. And and that's one of the things I liked about her. She was very smart. You know, she didn't want to go down in this tunnel. Uh, She knew it was trouble, but she's a good person. She wanted to rescue Keith, as I said. And she does that. And Keith is dispatched. And then we don't see what happens to Tess. Because that's the point where they cut to Justin Long. Now, his character, A.J. McGilbride. Uh, is such a, a horrible, sleazy character. Uh, yet you sort of feel sorry for him at first because he's being accused of raping uh, another actress he worked with. And you're you're thinking, okay, I, I see where this is going. I see what they're trying to do. This is a very Me Too thing. He's going to let it slip sooner or later that he did rape her. And, and that's not exactly how it goes down. I mean, he is talking with a buddy of his and it's very ambiguous you know he he he's like oh she she said no at first but i'm very persistent and i talked her into it and and you're like uh you want to you want to feel bad for the guy to think maybe he's just being uh railroaded in this but you're like, ah, oh, geez, she was saying no, dude, no means no. And you knew there was more to this. Because just the way he treats people, he's just a horrible person uh, with disregard for anybody else. And I, I liked the one scene where Justin Long and Tess are with this, this hobo that you, you meet. I mean, if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. And where he's talking about, uh, I'm a bad person. Uh, or, or am I a good person that did a bad thing? And and you really think for a second that you know maybe this guy's learned his lesson. Maybe this whole experience has taught him that you know it. Uh, he he's in danger of being the bad guy. Uh, if he th- sees himself as a good person, he has the capacity for good. And he did a bad thing. Obviously, raping somebody is a horrible thing. But you know he. If he make amends, does his time, whatever punishment is due, deals with that, and then turns his life around to be a good person, you think there might be some sort of redemption for this guy. But then at the very end, when he has a chance to to save Tess and he sacrifices her, tries to sacrifice her so he can get away, uh, it's just like, okay, this guy didn't learn anything. He's still a scumbag. And he's still a horrible person. And he was a horrible person all along. No matter how much he tried to make us think that he's a good person, he probably wants to be a good person, probably thinks of himself as a good person. But actions speak louder than words. And your actions define who you are, not who you believe yourself to be. And I think Justin Long really played this character well because he is such a funny guy. He plays comedy very well, but I love the fact that he does get involved with some horror and science fiction. Jeepers Creepers. Uh, He was a part of. uh, He did that episode of Creep Show that I thought was really good, where he played kind of a not a similar character, but a character that thought he was a good guy, but really was kind of a douche to his wife. Things like this, where he he can play the drama. But he also adds notes of comedy. There are little things that he says or reactions that he has uh, when he's to measuring the, uh, the whole uh, place. Uh, these He f- discovers these caverns and he's measuring because he wants to add these caverns and this dungeon and all this shit to the square footage of his house so it'll make it seem bigger. So when he tries to liquidate it because he's out of money trying to defend himself from these rape charges and the character really is a surrogate for the whole toxic masculinity thing, which kind of ties into another character that we're going to talk about here shortly. But uh, but he is, you know, that, that stereotypical toxic masculinity. I, I don't know how much of that I'm... I think there are... I think calling people toxic is a way to demonize them without getting to know who they are or being able to give them a chance to redeem themselves. I think you label somebody as toxic and I'm going to cut you out. And it just it's an oversimplification of complicated human emotions and, and human thoughts. And uh, toxic masculinity is something. That's not to say there aren't guys out there who are chauvinistic, misogynistic, Shitty human beings, but there's also a lot of women out there who are shitty human beings as well. Humans can be and have the capacity to be shitty to one another at exponential rates. So that's not to say that there aren't guys like that out there that fit the quote unquote toxic masculinity archetype. But when you paint things in broad strokes and you don't give people a chance to grow, and redeem themselves you know some people are irredeemable some people don't want to be redeemed but there are people out there that make mistakes and i think they tinkered with that idea when justin long is talking about how you know he's a, maybe he's just a good person who did a bad thing but then you know this character showed his true colors and he he was quite possibly uh, I, I never like to say irredeemable because i think everybody has the capacity for redemption it's just whether they have the will and the want to do what it takes to be redeemed this character obviously did not And then we kind of get a breakdown where we go back to the very early 80s. Uh, You hear from a radio broadcast, Reagan has just become president and talking about uh, the economy he inherited. So this has to be in the very early 80s, probably 81, somewhere around there. Uh, We meet this man known as Frank, played by Richard Brake, who does a great job. He isn't in the movie a whole lot, but the parts he is in. Uh, and you probably recognize him. He's done a ton of stuff. Uh, he was in Doom, uh, Hannibal Rising, Black Delilah. He was in Halloween 2, the Rob Zombie Halloween 2. He's actually going to be in the new Rob Zombie Munsters movie that's coming out. So uh, you've seen this guy around a lot, but he plays this guy, Frank, who we meet him going to the store and he's getting rubber sheets and baby supplies and things like that. And you wonder what the hell is going on. And then you see him kind of stalking this woman. And we learn a lot of exposition from a hobo that probably, I don't know whether he should or would know any of this stuff, but at this point in the game, uh, it's, it's interesting just to find out about this character, but this character is essentially a serial killer. He would abduct women uh, rape them have babies with them and kill them and eventually uh, ha- have incestuous relations with the offspring of the babies that he had with these women uh, over the years and that's what this this gargantuan woman called mother is one of these incestuous offspring of rape and after 40 some years who knows how many times he's done that. The, the gene pool gets very shallow and you get this monstrosity that we see before us. But all this this mother knows is, you know, what she's seen on these videos about how to breastfeed that he obviously left for his offspring that didn't have mothers to teach them how to take care for the babies that he was having with them. Uh, it, it's all very messed up, but that's how we find Tess back in the story, mother has wants her to be her baby, and and feeds her breast milk from a bottle. It's it's all very disgusting and bizarre and creepy. It shows Tess how she is. That even though Justin Long is a dirtbag, uh, she's trying to help him. Uh, when she escapes and Justin Long is still in there uh, in the house, she tries to go to the cops, and and you know the cops are very indifferent to her. Uh, they don't really want to take her seriously. And, and I don't know if that's supposed to be a comment on women not being taken serious by authority figures or it's a commentary on cops uh, being indifferent to the plight of the ordinary people, the average people. Uh, there's, there's a lot of commentary there. I don't know if I agree with all of it. I don't know if, you know, again, when you're painting broad strokes, uh, all cops are not like that. Not all cops are indifferent to uh, the problems of the average person. Or even the she said, you know, she's all grimy and dirty because she's been uh, kept in this basement dungeon for a couple weeks. Uh, she says, you know, I'm not a crackhead, but all she cares about is trying to get to Justin Long and rescue him. And then when they finally escape, and they get to that, that hobo that she met's, a uh, little domicile. She is still trying to, to help him, even though she's been shot by him accidentally. And then you get that final scene after the uh, water tower where he's essentially pushed her off. And she falls and mother dives after her and... Uh, does some stuntman work of flipping over so Tess lands on her and then Justin Long's character comes down finds Tess still alive uh, you have a feeling that he might kill her just to keep si- keep her silent about what he's done but AJ Gilbrad gets his comeuppance because mother is not dead either and she gouges his eyes out in one of the most disgusting ugh uh, it makes me sick to my stomach just thinking about it. But uh, but he kills or she kills uh, him, and then of course Tess has this gun that uh, that AJ picked up from the scene he had with Frank, where we find out Frank is still alive until he takes his own life, and we see the the collection of videos of all the women he's raped and and all the depravity that's been going on in these these tunnels for decades. But AJ had his gun, and of course now Tess has it, and she puts Mother down. And they did this thing where, you know, you get a little bit of the credits, and then you get... See Tess getting up, and then you do some more credits, and then you see her kind of walking away, and then they do a little more credits, and then you see her walk past the camera, and and it just ends. I thought I really thought they were going to do some sort of um, PS scene at the end, maybe teasing mother might not be dead, or maybe there was somebody else down there because this hobo that uh, Tess runs into that is pretty much there just for exposition and to give them a little bit of a reprieve as they've escaped the house. Uh, he says that mother isn't the only, isn't the worst thing down there. And I, I'm guessing that she, he was talking about Frank because Frank is an even bigger monster than mother is because of the things he's done. But it could mean something else as well. Uh, are we going to get a sequel to this? Who knows? I think it's set up that that's a good possibility. I hope it's not the case. I, I like one-off movies. I don't like how everything has to be a franchise or a trilogy or, or things like that. Uh, so hopefully that's not what they were going with this, but it, this was such a, a good movie. And I liked the idea that they just made a scary movie. There were some social commentary in this toxic masculinity, indifference of police Who is the real barbarian in this? You know, a barbarian by definition is a member of a community or tribe not belonging to one of the greater civilizations. Frank is definitely a barbarian. Uh, Mother is definitely a barbarian. But in, in some regards, you could consider the AJ character a bit of a barbarian because... He's not a civilized person. He's actually a, a quite a bad person and a person that has no regard for, for other people. He's barbaric in his treatment of women, his treatment of other people. Not very indifferent to the Frank character who abducted women, raped them, had kid babies with them, raped those babies, I'm sure, or had incestuous relationships with them and made babies with them and just, you know, uh, a depraved and disgusting human being. So there's a lot of different levels. That's kind of what I liked about it. It wasn't like, okay, this movie is called Barbarian, and this is the Barbarian, and ta freaking da. I liked how this was a smart movie. It had smart characters. Tess Marshall was a character that was smart. She didn't do things without thinking them through Uh, There were times where, you know, she didn't want to do what she was doing. But like I said, she's a good person. So she went into these tunnels anyway. There was thought put into the things she did. She didn't just accept drinks from a stranger. You know, she was a very intelligent character. Uh, The Keith character, while uh, very ambiguous as to what his intentions were, uh, was a good character. He recognized at some points that, oh, yeah, I get it. You don't want my tea because you didn't see me make it. Uh, I wanted to give you some wine, but I knew that if I opened the bottle beforehand, you would think I put something in it. So very aware of what he's doing and how it's being perceived. It was a very smart movie without being too too much like heightened, elevated horror for the discerning And the tension that this movie built was just fantastic. I love uh, those types of horror movies that are, you know, people in the dark that only get glimpses of the horrors that they might uh, come across by little glimpses of flashlight, by sound design, by the score the atmosphere that's being created. It just really it was a fantastic horror movie. Probably one of the better straight-up horror movies that I've seen in quite some time. And and while it did comment on toxic masculinity, uh, it didn't beat you over the head with it. It didn't really keep trying to drive the point home. It made the point. You really saw that without anyone telling you. You saw the way people like Frank and... AJ were acting and the things they were doing, you know it was wrong, you know it's bad, without anybody having to tell you that's toxic masculinity. Again, I I don't like that term. It paints in broader strokes than I think reality actually should afford it. Yeah, it makes commentary about the police and their relationship with, with Tess and why they're not uh, believing her. But there again, you know, they don't linger on it. They make the point and move on. And while you can't understand why they're not helping her, because we know what they don't, uh, you can understand why maybe they would think she's acting a bit crazy, uh, she's all disheveled. It was making a point and doing it. I think smartly so again really love this movie love the acting love the atmosphere that was set in the mood and the tones and the tension was just uh, incredible uh, i think zach Craiger did a fantastic job writing and directing this uh, there are some i, I don't want to say plot holes but things that okay uh, may may have seen like a little bit of a stretch, but not so much that it took you out of it. I think there was just enough gore to make it gross. Uh, there was a lot of horror. There was a lot of, uh, like I said, zigs and zags, twists and turns. You didn't really know exactly where this was going. Uh, and just when you think you know, you realize you don't know. So that's I, I got to give credit to Zach Krager for that and uh, looking forward to seeing more from him. So, If you haven't watched Barbarian, I encourage you to watch it, even though I've probably spoiled a shit ton of stuff for you. But if you have watched it, hopefully you enjoyed it as much as I did. Probably one of my favorite horror movies. Uh, Maybe not my favorite of the year because, you know, we still got October to get through and we got a lot of horror to come. But probably one of my favorite horror movies. Uh, of 2022 top five definitely maybe even top three like i said we'll i'll readjust that once we get through october because there's some scary stuff coming out then but really enjoyed this movie hopefully you did too i want to thank everyone for taking the time to listen to my thoughts on the new movie barbarian check it out want to thank everyone for listening and check out more about odds. Bodkins curiosity shop podcast on our Facebook page. We're always putting trailers to the latest movies and series coming out. Uh, Always sharing articles about horror, fantasy and science fiction from all over the interweb adding my two cents as well. And always looking for your comments. So uh, please leave your comments on what you think about the things I'm posting. And no matter where you listen to this podcast, please leave a review Five stars would be awesome, and don't forget to like, subscribe, download, and definitely share this podcast with everyone you know that loves horror, fantasy, and science fiction. So until next time.